Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Lock and Key Unlocked, a podcast about the comic book Lock and Key and the TV show Lock and Key coming to Netflix very soon. I am Alex. I'm Justin Unlocked. <laughs> I'm Pete. And this is the preview episode for our podcast. Here is what we were going to do, folks. We're going to talk through what Lock and Key is, in case you don't know, though you're turning into a podcast about it. So I have to assume you do. We're going to talk about our relationship with Lock and Key. I don't want to spoil too much, but maybe all three of us are in the comic book. Just throwing that out there right yeah, here at the top. See if you can find us. And we're going to talk about what we expect or want to see on the show. And then we're going to have, after this, several regular episodes where we talk through all of the volumes of Lock and Key, the comic book, leading up to the release of the show on Netflix, where we'll be talking about every episode. So let's get into it. Let's talk about very briefly the history of Lock and Key, at least as it comes to media and as it comes to comic books, because it's a little bit of a complicated one. It started off with a comic book by IDW. It was written by Joe Hill, and it was art by Gabriel Rodriguez. Chris Ryle was the editor. I'm going to find some of the other names, which I should have looked up in advance, Uh, but there was obviously a big team. Oh, uh, Robbie Robbins on letters, Jay Photos on colors, and they all work together. Now, This book, when it was released, when the first issue was released back in 2008, it sold out in one day, the first issue. So huge surprise hit right out of the gate. Uh, It went through, I believe, six volumes of the comic book. And along the way, it got a lot of interest from Hollywood. But things got a little complicated and weird. First, it was supposed to be a movie from Alex Kurtzman and Robert Orsi, who are behind the Star Trek reboot among many other things. Then it got adapted into a pilot for Fox Television, which was directed, it was written by Josh Friedman, and it was directed by Mark Romanek, who's directed a bunch of Hollywood features. It got turned down, and in fact, it only got shown once, I believe, publicly at San Diego Comic-Con, but they never went forward with the show. Then it got picked up. Which happens to a lot of shows, like shows that's just normal. Yes. So far, this is pretty normal. Then what happened is it was potentially going to be a movie trilogy again, again by Alex Kurtzman. Instead, they sold it to Hulu. Hulu made a pilot with a different cast and a different script, and that got turned out. At which point it got. But it was. Did they they shoot that one or that one? They shot the entire pilot. Yeah. So that's two now two shot pilots. Two pilots. That's uh, Justin. You're our Hollywood correspondent. That's a little Indeed. atypical, I'd say, right? Uh, very weird for something to so, especially so quickly to uh, sort of be fully made uh, and then passed on, and then to start from sort of ground zero again, and then be passed on again, um, because that's just money in a hole. 
As they well, said. it's also surprising for something like Hulu, which generally does not go through the pilot process. It'll just pick up a show and it'll kind of run with it. So very weird, particularly for fans of Lock and Key. But finally, after years and years of development with some members of the same team, including Carlton Cuse, who was one of the two folks most identified with Lost, along with Damon Lindelof, working with Joe Hill, reimagined and reinvented the series for Netflix. And finally, it's actually getting done and it's actually going to be on Netflix. They didn't turn down the pilot. They filled the entire thing. It is an entirely new cast this time entirely new directors and behind-the-scenes folks. So this is the third, fourth, maybe fifth try at it, but it's finally happening. We're very excited about it. So that's the media history. Let's jump back to the comic book. Because Real quick, though, so, well, on the media front, like it would be wild to see all three pilots back-to-back mm-hmm. uh, from the same material. Like That is something that is... like I can't even think of another show that has that many creative iterations made back to back to back, uh, it would be wild to see that. And all with different cast. That's the crazy part. They didn't hang on to anybody. It wasn't like, oh, we really like who's playing Nina Locke. Let's hang on to her. It was a fresh start every single time. And I'll mention, I saw... I was at San Diego Comic-Con when they uh, screened the pilot of Lock and Key, the Fox version that was directed by Mark Rokinek, and it was great. It was fantastic. It was very confusing because it was a straight-up adaptation of, I believe, just the first issue or so of the comic yeah. book, and it was really, really good. So it was very confusing to watch something like that and go, oh, I don't know why this got turned down. But, of course, as always with Hollywood, there's probably a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. Now, let's jump back to 2008. We do a live comic book talk show every week. We were young, fresh-faced performers. Oh, man. Not a single hair between us. Just off the bus in New York City, hoping to start a comic book talk show. That's right. We so this is the part that I'm forgetting a little bit. Uh, The way that I remember it, uh, we I uh, was the bad boy. <laughs> is that what you were going to say? Is that what you were going to say? That's the first thing he says. Unbelievable. Yeah, Pete was a total nerd, and you kept beating yep. him up and giving him swirlies, right? Yep, that's a hundred percent true. I was a bad boy, uh, Alex. Obviously, you that's were the ridiculous. sort of the, the cover boy, sort mm-hmm. of the uh, every parent's uh, favorite son kind of guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, that's what I was getting at. What I was actually getting at was, as far as I remember it, so we have a, a section in our show called The Stack. We review comics that came out. As far as I remember it, I think we missed the first issue, right? Like, I think we heard about it after it had already no. sold out. No, you heard about no. it, Pete? You were on it from day one? Yeah, we, we definitely read the first issue. No, I know we did, but what I'm saying is I think we heard it sold out and then tried to track it down and actually talked about it the next week on the show is the way oh. that I remember it. Do either of you remember or are we all so addled that that's good? It I, doesn't matter. I, I remember us being at the New York Comic Con and meeting them for the first time at the that IDW. Was way down the road. You, your brain yeah. is more Swiss cheesed than Scott Bakula on Quantum Leap Pete. Wow. wow. Slam. Very specific yeah. type of stake <laughs> down. But, talk about uh, my brain like that. But whatever happened, I, I we found out about it a little late, but then fell in love with the comic and proceeded to every single month it came out, review it on our show. Yeah, we were uh, big fans, obviously, 
because it was back then, you know, we, we obviously have read hundreds and hundreds of comics and uh, done had been doing the show for a bit. But this one really popped for all three of us, which was uh, a little more rare back then. And uh, it was so not like now. Not like now, where we all just tow the company line. Uh, <laughs> I think we all really liked it and all wanted to sort of really give it to people. It's one of those comics that you read and you're like, oh, this is a great comic to give to someone who doesn't read comics or who's just right. looking for a great story. Um, yeah, and, and it's just so good you want to share it. You feel good being like, oh, my God, look, look, look at this. Well, in fact, I had completely forgotten about that and uh, this until we were prepping for the show, but... Pete is quoted on the back of the first volume. We were working for a place called Pulp Secret at the time doing video shows. And the quote is, holy shit, this is intense, man. You have got to pick up this comic, Pete LePage, Pulp Secret. First off, that was a horrible dramatic reenactment of me saying that. Should I screamed a little more? Yeah, I mean, that's your Pete impression? Come on, man. Holy shit. Oh, dear. (laughs) For those of you who don't listen to us, uh, Pete thinks he has a British accent, but he actually does not. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't know what a British accent sounds like, so he thinks he has one. Yeah, so we were very into this comic book. All three of us were into this comic book. Uh, And so much so that, uh, as Pete mentioned, we interviewed Joe Hill and gave you guys a couple of times. Joe Hill uh, was on our live show. and yeah. if you remember, Alex, uh, we did a, our, our first ever panel at San Diego. Gabriel Rodriguez was our guest. That's right. Yes. Yep. Uh, that was Gabriel Rodriguez. I'm forgetting who else. I know a Hardin Firm, which was Chris Hardwick's two-man band, opened for us. And more importantly, we came right before the Buffy the Vampire Slayer sing-along. So probably a 1,000 people in the audience, most of them there to see the Buffy sing-along, which made it a very fun panel. We entertained those people. Yes, we sure did. We Uh, won them over. So we reviewed every single issue of the comic book. We loved it throughout the entire run. Would push it to everybody, to Justin's point, because it was a good entry point. It's also a great horror comic book. The art by Gabriel Rodriguez is gorgeous. Uh, And then we ended up in the comic book, which is kind of amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they... uh, the Joe and Gabriel uh, first put um, Alex in as Doctor Zalbin. Mm-hmm. Um, the one is that, that in the, uh, the just third to jump series? ahead, the one surviving character. That's not Ted. Really, just not accurate. no. That is accurate. Yeah, of so, the three of uh, us. Of the three of us. No, Doctor Zalbin died of a broken think... heart because he never had his friends <laughs> Pete and Justin. Yeah. Also, Doctor Zalbin died horribly, but off panel, which Ooh. nobody talked about. Right, yeah. just he and choked like, on unlike a peanut. Me, unlike my character, uh, Justin, the cool guy in high school, who oh uh, he lived off panel. He didn't die off panel, he lived off panel. Right, He oh, there wow. was a boulder that fell on him, but because uh, you never saw the boulder actually crush him, you know that he probably escaped, right, Justin? 100%. Well, yeah, like no to, and then Pete's character uh, came in second, who was a high school kid who was violently dispatched on, on panel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was glorious. It was great. And then I, my character was sort of a jerk uh, high school student. I don't know where the <laughs> connection is to my actual personality, but um, <laughs> a boulder fell near me 
in the mm-hmm. in the last. This is in the last. You, you uh, died. You died by a boulder landing on you. No, the, if, you, if you look at the panel, this is in the. Um, I believe the last <laughs> trade. The boulder's falling, and I hold my arms up like, oh, I'm like a little scared, but very brave. And then I dodge out of the way, dodge one no, of the main no. characters. No, we see a boulder crushing you. There's no way you dodged it. Anyway, let's let the readers decide. And I'm sure when uh, I character appears in the television show, we'll be able sure. to answer this once and for all. Yeah, I doubt any one of us are making the television show. Um, no, I, I think so. I mean, we're pretty far down the line, so I think they're waiting to see how things go. They're, we haven't seen any of the episodes, but I assume they're laying the seeds for our characters as, as things continue. And we'll come yeah. in in the fourth or fifth season or something like that. I feel very confident about it. And I also feel very confident that both of you will uh, realistically portray high school characters. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do it every day in my life. Um, but honestly, it, it was such an honor uh for us to be drawn into this series. And because it took a lot of over, it was over the course of years, like Alex was put in fully years before Peter, I was anytime we would bump into them at cons, they would really hold it over our heads. Like, Oh yeah. Uh, really thinking about adding uh, you to the comic, but and I'm like, I remember bumping into both of them, Joe and Gabriel together and being like, Hey guys, uh, Pete and Alex are in the comic. Like what's up? <laughs> Yeah, there you go. We finally did it. Uh, Now, uh, let's. So the comic eventually became not just a cult hit, but very close to a mainstream hit, I think, particularly for a relatively smaller publisher like IDW. But there's also a whole culture that built up around it. Uh, There's a. I don't even know what you call them, collectibles company called Skeleton Crew that started creating collectible keys. Uh, There's a, uh, I think, a trading card game. There was an audio drama. All of these things that have built up around it. So it became a real phenomenon. Now, the thing that we should mention, probably should have mentioned up front, was the concept of the show, The Cots of the Booked, if you haven't read it, is... It takes place in mostly in Maine at a place called Key House. There is a family called the Locks. Uh, the father is murdered under mysterious circumstances, and they all move back to his ancestral home of Key House. Now, when they get there, they discover there are these very strange keys littered all over the house that can do very different things that they slowly discover as they go. There's also an evil entity living in the house that you find out more about. Initially, it's in a well. I won't spoil necessarily what happens happens if you do want to read ahead uh but they this entity is also looking for certain keys at the same time so it plays i don't know it plays a little bit like a amblin adventure which is probably part of why steven spielberg got initially interested when it was going to fox uh it plays a little bit like a horror movie at the same time sort of like a haunting on hill house that type of thing um Mm -hmm. All of that stuff, but it's very accessible. And the thing that really makes it sing is that Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez, in my mind, work so well together that it's not just about the writing. It's not just about the story. It's also about the layouts, which are some of the scariest that I've ever seen in comic books. Yeah, it's really frightening. I I would just like to say, as, as someone who's not a fan of horror... Uh, or horror movies or horror comics. This um, really spoke to me because the storytelling was so good. And there was an, uh, you know, 
we kind of join the family after a huge tragedy and are pulled in such a direction of like uh, heart and like, oh my God, this poor family went through this whole thing. How are they going to piece this all back together? And um, it's just... It's it's just such a moving comic that grabs you right away and never lets you go the whole time. And uh, I was just so impressed with this. Normally, I uh, horror comics don't do anything for me, so that's why I was really impressed by this comic. Well, I think it, it's because it's a little bit more of a dark fantasy comic book than a horror comic book. There's yeah. definitely horrific elements, but it's more about this epic adventure and multiple generations and digging into the characters and finding out how they feel and pushing them more than just being nonstop scares or gore or anything like that. Though, if you are a horror fan, there's plenty of that as well. Yeah. When it's such a tense, there's so much tension. Like the, it's like, has the thriller aspects to it. Um, cause yeah, I wouldn't say it's a, it's not a horror comic because it's not about the like knives going into people. It's about the anticipation of something bad about to happen, uh, goes through most of it because uh, and there are a lot of great issues that are like f- very funny, um, and very like superhero-y. There's a big climactic battle between, um, someone wielding the giant key and someone wielding the shadow key. And that, uh, is like super comic booky. Yeah, yeah, I, and going back to what Zalbin said about the layouts, Doctor Zalbin. The, yes, uh, thank you. No, I didn't gonna, go I'm to call him that. I am four years of being that. a comic book character to not be called Doctor Zalbin. Um, yeah, the just the the way that each page is set up and artistically done, and the way the panels flow, flow into each other, and way way it like pops out into big spreads for big moments. Um, this is the first time that I felt so moved by a comic book, like literally jumped reading pages and stuff like that. Yeah. So uh, the way the art flows with the story is something that I had never seen before. And that was definitely one of the reasons that I was holding this comic above others being like, holy shit, you got to check this out. Well, let's use this as a way of transitioning into talking about the TV show, because one of the things that I've been a little nervous about with any adaptation of Lock and Key is that as we've been talking about, it's very much a comic book. The way they've laid it out as a comic book, that might sound weird to people who don't readily read comic books, but there are issues that lead into a Calvin and Hobbes style. There's the giant key fight that you're talking about. That's just a series of splash pages. It's Joe and Gabe really using the comic book form and leading into the issue nature of comic books that you have 20, 22 pages versus a couple of hundred pages in a book or something like that. So I'm curious to see how, and if all they adapt that into a TV show and how they will lead into it. Will they do something where they're straight adapting images? Will they do what Damon Lindelof just did on Watchmen, where uh, Watchmen was very comic booky, comic book, and then they made a very TV show that was commenting on media? So will they lean into it the same way? I just don't yeah. know. I'm curious, or will though. They just, to, yeah, Pete. Or will they get a camera and just film each page? Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. That would be yeah. cool. That, yeah, that would be really cool to watch. <laughs> Let me ask you, what are you anticipating? What are you looking forward to? What are you nervous about with the Netflix show? Well, huh? I do think that uh, it's not going to – I don't think it's going to be like Watchmen. Watchmen is such a well-known comic and a comic that 
like they almost have to react to the the story of Watchmen um, when they made the HBO series. For this, the Lock and Key show, it's a little bit more just telling the story and translating the story to screen. So I think it will be. I think we will see a lot of imagery from the comic, and because the comic played with genre a lot. Uh, jumped through different genres, um, like I was mentioning before. I think we'll get to see that a little bit. We'll get to see those big superhero-y battles that are shot that way. The horror stuff, the thriller stuff, the just like kids uh, growing up stuff. I think we'll get to see those different genres of television shows played out on uh, on screen. What I'm worried about is the casting. Um, the facial stuff in the comic is so huge. The the way that sorrow and stuff is portrayed on panel and so powerful. These characters go through so much and you really have to uh, relate to them and get on board with the story right away. So if the casting is not there or if the acting is not up to par, that could really pull me out of it. And I'm worried about that. Now, I will say, I think... I think it was Gabriel Rodriguez. Either he posted or he retweeted a picture of the main three kids in the show. Uh, it's Jackson, Robert Scott as Bodie, uh, Connor Jessup as Tyler, and Amelia Jones as Kinsey. And they looked perfect. Like, yeah. amazingly perfect. The only thing they were missing was Tyler wasn't wearing his classic hat with the fish hook in it or anything like that in the Love comic. That. But otherwise, just to your point, Pete, their facial structure looked totally correct, which I was kind of blown away by. Uh, to talk through the rest of the cast, we got uh, Sherry Somm as Ellie Whedon, uh, Griffin Gluck as Gabe, Darby Stanchfeld, who people might recommend uh, recognize from Scandal as Needlelock. She doesn't look exactly the same, but hopefully she'll... Uh, you know, uh, give the act. right performance act. Yes, yeah, she'll act. That's yeah. the word that I was she probably acts. For. She probably acts a little bit. Uh, and relevant to, we also do a Riverdale podcast. I was excited about this. I don't know who the character Zadie is, but Asha Bromfield, who I believe was Valerie, one of the Pussycats. Ah, yes, uh, uh-huh. she's on the show as Zadie. So that's very exciting. Hopefully, she'll sing a couple of songs. Archie's true love. Yeah, exactly. Stop. Uh, That's anything the real else you want to say about the show or the comic book or anything like that before we get to our last section here? Oh, um, I mean, just uh, I if you're listening to this, maybe you're already a fan. But really, like this is something that I think in the same way that we always push the comic or recommend the comic to people as just a great portal to getting into comics. I feel like uh, the show is, is going to be the same way. Like it's going to be just something to to talk about and tell people like this is a great show uh so that we get to see the full story told and we get to see cool justin the high school team (laughs) oh my god well i i would like to say uh i know it's weird that we're in the comic and also talking about how great it is but even if we were not in this comic i would still be talking about how great this comic is um so uh yeah i'm I I can't cannot wait for the show. I'm scared I won't be able to watch it, but uh it'll it'll be very intense. So let's try something out here on this preview episode that I think we'll do, particularly uh, for the episodes we're talking about, each volume of the book, but also each episode of the show. What is a and here we go, key moment from the books key moment here we go here we go Let's folks. unlock a key moment and time to unlock a key moment i'm gonna put some sort of sound effect here like 
Oh, that's good. Yeah. You know, people we don't need to love get a sound effect. I just did it. I just did it with my voice. Yeah, I know. You're like a uh, sort of a human Foley uh, artist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that guy in Police Academy. Oh, oh my God. You mean Steve Gutenberg? Yep, that's what I meant. <laughs> I've always thought that. You have a Gutenberg yeah. vibe. Either him or Hightower, the guy who plays Hightower. Oh, one of the two. Hightower. Yeah, everyone knows the actor that plays Hightower. That's why we won't say the name. Because people already know. <laughs> so let's unlock a key moment. What is something that you think about all the time from the books? We haven't seen the TV show yet. So from the books, Pete, we'll start with you. What's something that you love that people potentially should be looking out for as we talk through these books? I know They're... what Pete's going to say. Oh, yeah? You yeah. psychic? I, I, I don't think you, head, I don't I know, you know exact... it. I do know. Is it yeah. the character of Pete LePage playing D&D later on <laughs> in the issues? No, I was going to say it was the, when the main character comes out of the well, the well for the first out of the well. Yeah, and yeah. it is so scary. Uh, and I, I just couldn't believe that I jumped reading a comic book. And uh, it just really sets the tone for the whole rest of the, of the comic it happens in the first volume, and it's just like, holy crap, Is th- if this is what it's like, buckle up. And it really keeps you like that the whole time. You um, don't like that? You think that's scary because it's weird that that's where they drink water from. And there's a person yeah, in there. Yeah, I can't believe it's that you would water. yeah, drink water in a creepy old well. But, you know, I guess people did it back in the day. <laughs> you believe wells were just like... Maine like, oh, is a crazy water. It's like place. drinking out of a puddle, like a... Yeah, big puddle. You have that uh, aqueductophobia, right, Pete? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. No, I, I agree. This is a this is the point where the book really crisped in for me because I also crisped. jumped what I yeah. well it did because you're reading it. It's a crisped. good story. Crisped. Uh, good, so good. All yeah, good. it's really good. Uh, the you jump when you get to that point when she comes out of the well. It's terrifying. It's because of Gabriel Rodriguez's layouts, and it's great. Uh, but Justin, what about you? What's a key moment for you? My big moment, I guess, is when we get to see the rest of the plumbing that they use to get water into the place. <laughs> it's like crazy how much how many water sources they have. <laughs> uh, my favorite moment occurs a little bit later. Um, uh, Kinsey. Um, is has the head key, uh, and uh, she opens her uh, head, and she's uh, struggling at school. She feels like sort of um, out of place, embarrassed, um, doesn't have a lot of confidence. So she uses the head key, which li- physically opens the top of your head, and you, uh, your brain is sort of uh, metaphorically displayed, and she pulls out her awkwardness and nervousness and these pieces, closes her head back up, and then she goes back to school and is like this confident uh, person that she wanted to be. And she keeps the those qualities of uh, her that she wanted to remove in a jar uh, in her room. And that has stuck with me so hard from, uh, from the comic. That's, yeah, the head key in particular, that visual, because they're looking over their own heads is so awesome and so good. Yeah. Uh, the one, this isn't exactly a moment so much as an issue that I think about all the time. And I think really, to me, drives home what we were talking about with 
this being a comic book that is very comic booky is there's an issue in the fourth volume keys to the kingdom called sparrow that is done in the style of Calvin and Hobbes. And I believe it says they play with the animal key. So they keep becoming different animals throughout the book, but it's laid out like comic strips. And to see that, in the middle of what is ostensibly a horror or dark fantasy book or whatever you want to call it is so amazing to see something that is so funny, so weird, so cross genre, but it still sticks with the emotions of the character and the plot of the book. And it's not just a silly one-off or anything like that. It's great. Uh, The book's so creative and I really do hope that if people discover discover it for the first time on Netflix. They go and read the book or while we're going through this podcast leading up to Netflix, they do revisit or check out the books again, because like Pete was saying, they're so, so very good. Now, I don't know how that would translate to television, but I really hope the creative team goes bonkers and really has some fun with the different, uh, you know, themes and, and, and really kind of push the boundaries of what television can be. Do you think they're going to update the the idea of a lock and a key with um, like uh, passwords and um, like ring? Mm -hmm. Uh, You get to like Mm -hmm. unlock your door through your phone. Yeah, they're actually they're calling it uh, Face ID and Smart Home is the new name of the show. (laughs) Oh wow, it's awesome! I love that. Very cool. Now, a couple of things before we go. This is the episode that's going to be setting up the feed, so we don't have a specific lock and key unlocked feed set up as of yet. Potentially, by the time we're listening to it, we do, and then you can subscribe on iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. Uh, you can also the app check of your out choice. app of your choice. You can also uh, check out socially at Lock and Key Pod on Twitter, on Facebook and Instagram, all stuff up there. So definitely check those out. Follow us at all of those places. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by. We'll chat with you about Lock and Key, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. Also, patreon.com slash comicbookclub. Not only does that help support the show, but we'll also have a Lock and Key specific chat room in our Patreon Slack and As we've seen with previous podcasts, there's a lot of great discussion that goes on there. We also take questions on there for the podcast itself. So definitely follow along. Uh, The next episode of the show is going to be talking about Lock and Key, Keys to the Kingdom, the first volume. So please go ahead, read that, check it out, and then we'll have that podcast up in a week or so. And thank you for listening to Lock and Key Unlocked. Gotta think of a good sign-up for the show Justin, any ideas? Uh, lock it up. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, lock it up, lock it down. We'll keep working on that one. Thanks, no, okay, everybody. That, okay, that's a good one. Like, lock it up or also lock it down. Um, what about um, key, 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 key? What's the key? What's the key? key and peel. Key and peel. Key, key. Uh, come to the key party, everybody. Oh, yeah. boy. Don't be creepy, dude. Put your keys in the jar and have sex with a stranger. <laughs> what? Is that a, is that a good sign off? I'm gonna, we're going to have sex with you. Wow, yeah. come How's on, that? man. Pete? You're married. Okay, come up with an idea, Pete. Um, Keeping it real. <laughs> wow. That doesn't relate to anything. 